Vic, am I going? Am I on? Am I going? Here we go. Stop having so much fun. This is church. You're supposed to be cranky to everybody and like that. Just kidding. Starting here. Oh God, who has called and gathered a people from the ends of the earth to serve you, grant the increase of your government among us and give us your Holy Spirit that your name may be glorified to all who sit in darkness and are in the shadow of death. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Or as you know it, all that are on the 309. So there you go, right? Uh, okay, so many things to think about, talk about. Everybody okay? Thanks for coming out in the snow. You all got up early and shoveled. Uh, so that was good. Let's see. Every once in a while, somebody asks me, um, what in the world is going on? I assure you, I do. I really assure you that twice a year, at least, we publish this for you. So on the back of the Life Together is where the outreach money is gone. So if you put money in that today, it's going to go to pads. And by the way, this public service announcement. It is actually a violation of canon law to send a note to us that says, this pen doesn't write. Of course, because we know you're not telling us the truth because you're writing it to us. So here's the thing. What we want you to do is if there's a pen that doesn't write in the books, put it on Sandy's desk and we'll replace the pen. Otherwise, if you say... This pen doesn't write. What do we think on Tuesday morning? Which pen? <laughs> so then we have to go in and like mark every pen to try to find the one that you said doesn't write. And then, if the ambient temperature is six degrees higher and the humidity has risen above 27%, guess what? Every pen works. Yes, that's right. So if you have a bad pen, throw it on Sandy's desk. I promise you we will replace it in the following week. Okay, good? All right, because, you know, you don't need anything else to repent of during Lent, which is on the way, right? Come for your ashes a week from, uh, let's see, on the 14th, on Valentine's Day. So anyway, this is kind of a nice number. Now, this will be more than half, even though this is only halfway through. Um, just in terms of, you know, where he's talking about money type things these days, it seems. But I think we were up around 160000 last year we gave away. One, we gave $175,000 last year, and what was, our, what was our budget last year? So, you know, we're approaching 10%, but here's the thing. Just so you know, we don't give 10% to anybody else. People give 10% to us, okay? <laughs> we're the church, right? So we don't have a tithing responsibility to anybody else. Um, you know, we're at, the, we're at the end of the food chain. However... We, of course, do give money out in many, many places, and that number, which I quickly in my head is about 8%, is a pretty good number on a, on a $2 million budget. So, um, good job, and keep going, and that's fun. And show your friends, because they slept in this morning because it was a nice day to sleep. I completely agree. And um, we only publicize this a couple of times. I know, it's, should we publish it more, publish it less? I don't know. It feels like tooting our own horn, but then if we don't tell you, then, then we feel like, hey, you're not communicating. So we try to put it here a couple times a year, at least mid-year, which is about where we are, and then you'll see it again as we get close to uh, budget things toward the end of the year, and we try to run it on the screens. But, you know, there's a lot of money from you going other places, which is really nice, so congratulate yourself, and then just keep working hard, okay? That's the alms part of your, uh, of your giving. Any questions just about that? It's kind of fun. I mean, this is a happy day when you gave $100,000 to somebody else. Nice job. All right. Pads, that, pens. Women's retreat, how'd that go? Anybody arrested? Still, still, in, still in the Cook County Jail? Is everybody home? 
Everybody's good? All right, I mean, we don't want any trouble, so, uh, all right, good. It's hard for us to find people who challenge you. This is true for the men's, although I will say a uh, little bump for the men's retreat. This guy who's coming is a very bright boy and destined for good things and a good friend of Pastor Bukes. So if you're uh, free Friday at, and or Saturday morning, come along. You know the drill. We'll have dinner. They'll have breakfast. doesn't cost anything. Bring your friends. Bring them all. Don't worry. We can keep ordering stuff till. You stop bringing friends. So it'll be really good. Uh, I felt like I had one more thing, but I can't remember what it is. So um, we're just going to go. Anything else? Questions about anything? Oh, I know what I was going to say. Please go to a house party. There's not very many left. So we're trying to get everybody. Um, one of the hard things for us, and this is kind of a next level thing, is when we have pretty good members who seem to get it but don't come to the thing because they say, this is, what I, this is what we don't really want to hear. We don't want to hear, I got my number so we're not coming. I'm, I just want to thank you for being a good Wheaton Presbyterian or Baptist. That was well played. Good job. <laughs> However, this is St. John Lutheran Church, and because of that, we're in community. So it's a little like people who come from other Lutheran churches on Saturday morning. They, I don't need to go to the catechumen because I know all this. A, question mark, really? And then B, um, hey, you're here for other people. This was the sermon a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Bukes, as I recall, maybe two sermons back. So if you have your number and you've thoughtfully done it and you're good at this and it's easy, which is really interesting because there's, I don't know the number, between 50 and 100 people have already sent us back stuff and we haven't even started collecting stuff yet. So that's kind of interesting, right? But there's another step beyond that, which is you're here for your neighbor, right? Love God and love your neighbor. You're here for everybody else. So if you get it, and if you're faithful, and even if you've done it, because as you realize now, I just want to go on record saying, you know that our capital campaign in 07 did, in fact, call the top of the market. Apparently, we've called it again. So, you know, you can hold, you know, and not send your stock over. By the way... This is just a pub, another public service announcement. There's so much to talk about. Somebody sent us a big chunk of an emerging market stock fund with no name. So here's the thing. When you send us stuff, we don't know where it comes from. Like a million shares of Facebook just arrives in our account. <laughs> along with the Bitcoin. And here's the thing, we don't know, right? So somebody is going to be uh, cranky when they get their giving thing because you're going to think we don't love you. We do love you, but we didn't know it was you that we loved. So you have to tell us if you send stock to us or anything else, you know, biplanes or Wisconsin Lake property or, you know, all the yadros that are with your beanie babies. Um, if you send those over to us, you got to call John Crow and tell him because otherwise people will be sad, okay? Make sense? So somebody, somebody, somebody did that and we love you, but we don't have any idea who you are, which doesn't diminish our love, but we would like to focus it a bit more, okay? All right, now we're done, I think. So just spin your Bible open to John 5. Now, already, um, and I know that we're not going to get there, but I wanted to, we're gonna, we might get somewhat there, so I didn't want to be short ever with stuff for you to think about. John 5 is a story about a man who's broken in body. And John 8 is a story about a woman who's broken in spirit. And the point, of course, is that Jesus is gathering all these people together. 
and he is becoming the new thing for them. He is, and now it depends what you are. So the vicars, I don't know if you realize this, every year uh, the vicars come, and one of the jobs is for them to assemble the prayers. Now, if you've been through the catechumen or been around, you know that we pray according to the name. So if you're sick, we pray, the great, we pray, O great physician, remember. If you've died, we pray, O engineer of the 309. If we, um, you know, there's a, there's a Jesus name for everything that we ask for. Well, apparently this isn't being taught so much in seminary. And um, you, you know, you, you match the name to the trouble. Okay, well, here's the thing. This is exactly what Jesus is doing. For people who need um, a study, he's the new Torah for people who need a place, the woman at the well, he's the new temple. For people who are broken to bits, right, um, this man, he's the great physician, or he's the new physician, or he's the new creator. And for this woman, he's the new Messiah, right? He is to each of these people. And this is your Christian way of moving through the life as you touch Jesus to other people. You've got all these different Jesuses, and every time you meet somebody, you need to figure out which Jesus, Jesus it is that they need, and that's the Jesus you give them. And then all the other ones kind of trundle in behind, and you can have some fun. But what, what I want, this is another way of saying is that Jesus has got something for everybody. And it, one way to read John's Gospel is to see how Jesus engages people and just think about the people that we've been through so far who are angry at him, who are very sure of their own knowledge, who think they're better than everybody else, who are outcasts, who are completely broken, who are sick and in the equivalent of, you know, uh, a bad hospital, right? Or people who get caught in this desperate sin and are shamed before everybody else. There's a Jesus for each one of these people, and of course it's the same Jesus. And you can tell he's the new thing in all these different things. You can tell what he is, and hopefully you'll, you'll see that. So the reason I put these two stories together, I know it's not chronological, but the reason I put them together is so that you don't break Jesus in half and have this Jesus who is for your body but not for your soul or for your soul and not for your body. So each one of these now, there should be kind of a rhythm developing of how you read John's Gospel. It's just one way to read it. You can read it many other ways, but one way to read it is what's new in Jesus for the person that he's encountering. And what Jesus is telling you is that I'm new in every way. So I'm the new word, I'm the new water, I'm the new law, I'm the new gospel, I'm the new Messiah, I'm the new prophet, I'm the new teacher, right? I'm the new creator. And that's what's coming up in these stories. So that's the reason these two go together. So here we go. Let's just, just um, John 5. We didn't read very far, but this very nice story and just kind of a gloss of how Jesus comes to somebody who's broken. And you know people like this. We've got sick people every week, and we have a long list of people who have... Uh, passed, uh, passed, been sick and also passed away, by the way, just to kind of, I don't know if this got into the, March Sauer passed away, our old member March Sauer, you who know her. She, her family moved her, um, shortly after we came here, they moved her to be near the family to a place in Wisconsin. She passed away this week. We got a call, but we didn't have details. We do know that the funeral will be at Hultgen. We do know that we will do it. I don't think that the details are yet set. They're not set yet, are they? We have not heard these details. So, you who know her and want to go, you can give us a buzz, but the family has to let us know. And they've been very gracious. And they'll, you who are lunch folks, um, I'm, Pastor Nelson's probably told you, but they want to have a lunch here afterwards. So I don't, I don't even, that still doesn't really indicate a date. So um, something for all of you to think about. All right, so just, just, just kind of did, what, let's do what we did with John 5, and then we'll kind of move through this, and then we'll see what happens, okay? 
After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So this basically tells you that Jesus keeps the law, right? Adult males of age and ability are meant to go up to Jerusalem for the three great feasts. Jerusalem is the center of the universe. You're meant to go up there, and you're meant to be in community. You see right here already, this is like, yeah, I know I'm a good Jew, and I know what the Feast of Tabernacles is, right? No, no. It's the same as this is just like a house party. No, you go with all your people together in community. And people who are better teach people who are worse, and people who are older teach younger people. People who are good teach people who are not so good at it, right? That's why you have this rehearsal. That's why we come Sunday and you just don't go on the Internet and listen in because there's a community and other people need you and everything gets put together. You're a family. You know, you can have family. You know, you can all have your own individual Christmas at your own individual Christmas tree, I guess you can call that Christmas, or you can all be together, right? It makes a difference because we need each other. Like the Holy Trinity, we're meant for community. This is all an extension of Jesus going up to Jerusalem to the place where God lives, right? So here we come. We're going to remember all that he's done for us. Now, there in Jerusalem, there's um, by the sheep gate. So Jesus, Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, John the baptizer. There's a pool, and if you go to Israel, you can look down at St. Anne's Church, and they're right there. There's two huge pools, and they're divided, which means when you get to the point where it says there's five porticos between there, you go, yeah, that's right where the five porticos would have been. And it's at a place that runs downhill, so it would have collected the water that runs from uphill, which is extraordinarily important. And if you you who have walked through Hezekiah's Tunnel, this is down in that direction toward Hezekiah's Tunnel. And then there are these, there's also a little bit of spring activity in that area. So this is a place where water would be, Jesus, the new water. So there was this uh, pool called Bethesda. It has five porticos, you know, like the five books of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And now near this place, and all these things are ringing in, the law of Moses, um, Jesus, the Lamb of God, Israel is the chosen people, the feast when God remembers his people. All these things are happening, right? These are all in a swirl. John's gospel is kind of like this tornado that just keeps going. There was a man there, ill 38 years, and we did that. 38 was kind of a tough number because Israel once spent 38 years for being uh, damn sinners out in the wilderness because they just would not listen. When Jesus saw him there, and knew that he'd been lying there a long time. And that sort of explains itself. If you go into, you can go over to the county convalescence center, you can just kind of walk through and you can see who's been lying there for a long time. Uh, people just have a look, they have a way, there's a defeat about them. And um, little indignities, you know, um, they have to put people's mattresses on the floor because they fall out of bed so often and the fall's not so far. If you, But then you're sleeping on the floor like, you know, it was kind of fun when you were in your fraternity in college, but now you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know. So you can see sort of this guy, he's been there a while and things are not going well. And, and what that means for somebody who's not mobile and how they weaken and how they're defeated. This is all, all these things. You know, it's been you, it's people you know, it's your father, your mother, your uncle, you've seen this. And it's difficult, you know. This is the rough equivalent, maybe not to having somebody on the ventilator, but at least an ICU. That's where we're going here. So Jesus says, whoa. And then this, and this is, you have to get this right, to not make Jesus sassy and not to make the man a bad man. This is the, do you want to be healed, doesn't get the weight of it. Because that in Latin, that's sanus, like sanitarium, like wholesome and healthy. 
So basically you have, John's already told you, and this is what you're supposed to hear, this is the, the um, shalia, the agent of creation, right? So as there was an agent in Cana, in Cana 2 for the wedding negotiating thing, this agent of the, of the groom's family, this, the notion of a shalia, an ambassador, or somebody who can go make the deal for you, right? That's what Jesus is meant to be. Well, John's already told us what deal he makes. Everything that was made was made through him, and there wasn't anything made that wasn't made through him. It's John 1, you know, 3, 4, and then a little farther on. So here's the original manufacturer, if you want to think about Jesus that way. Jesus is the original manufacturer coming to this some of the um, equipment that he's made, right? And he says to the guy, it's not just, do you want to be healthy? I mean, it's a, that's a stupid question. You know, everybody wants to be healthy. There's very few people who want to hold on to their trick knee. Jesus says to the guy, do you want to be whole? I mean, this runs all the way to shalom and full peace and back to Eden and go home and, G- and, and your heavenly father loves you. That's the question. That's the impulse of this question. And part of it is, is that it's too good for the guy to believe. And that, 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 that kind of is, and you know this with, with people that you know who've been sick. You sort of help them and you, is there more and what can we do for you and where can we, and, and there's always like, they have these, there's roadblocks. There's things that can't possibly happen. So Jesus says, do you want to be, you want to be healthy? Do you want to be whole? You want to be, if you even, if you will, fully human. Do you want to be restored? Right? You want to be as good as a human being can be on earth. That's the question. The sick man answered, respectfully, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water's troubled. And while I'm going down, another steps in before me. So this tradition that the waters were troubled, an angel stirred the water and first one in, gets healed, right? This is a little like winning the lottery. You know, this well, it's this a little like winning the lottery, you know, while you're being bit by a rattlesnake and struck by lightning. You know, all these things are happening. It doesn't happen that often, right? So it's this thing of everything comes together once. They, basically, the guy says, this is hopeless because I've been here a really long time. If you pause and think about this, you can extend it to not just your physical health, but your mental health and your spiritual health and family relationships and things that have been broken and how you feel about your younger brother and your stepmother and just kind of keep going, right? So Jesus basically says, would you like broken things repaired and put back in proper order? And this guy says, that that would be really hard. And he has 38 years of experience backing him up, okay? And then Jesus, and now this is really important because, of course, the world was created how? Because God spoke, Right? So you had a baptism this morning, and you think to yourself, the Lord spoke eight times in creation, let there be light, and there were eight people in Noah's Ark, and he saved them all, and on the eighth day, baby boys were circumcised, and Jesus rose from the eighth day, and we do baptisms when we're at our best on the eighth day. And there's eight bursts around the font, and there's eight sides to the altar platform, and this is what Jesus is offering this guy. So Jesus, who speaks realities, is Luther's great insight. When Jesus speaks, it happens, right? I forgive you all your sins. Your sins are forgiven. You're a child of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're a child of God. This is my body. This is my blood. It is. Stand up and walk, 
right? And when you, if that sounds funky to you, then you have to remember what Jesus said about the one man. First he forgave him, and then he made him walk. This time he makes him walk, and then he forgives him. But you remember, I think it's in Mark 2, where he says to the guy, hey, your sins are forgiven. Then people are like, that wasn't a very big deal. And he's like, hey, just so you know, my words do what they say. Stand up and walk. This is the other way around. This guy's going to stand up and walk, and then he's going to walk right to the old temple, and he's going to make this great confession about who Jesus is. And what you have to see then is that this is a bundle, like your words and your actions and your body and your soul and your mind. Everything works together. And Jesus, you know, he does it one way and then he does it another way because we're slow learners, right? So he saves us, you know, through our ear and through our tongue and through our skin because, you know, we're doubtful and we have to push those off against each other. No, Jesus is just trying to, he's, he's just trying to love you. It's just so interesting. He's such a simple guy. He just, you know, it's a pretty simple question. Would you, would you mind being, would you mind if I put everything right? Which is what later what he's going to say to this lady, right? Jesus makes wrongs right. That's what he does. He makes wrongs right. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He makes wrongs right. He makes every wrong right. Body, soul, mind, and spirit, he makes wrongs right. It's just that... He individualizes it to persons. So I'll just have to say to you, you know, the problem with getting men's retreats and women's retreat speakers for you all is, you know, I was talking to Pastor Bukes this morning, and um, we got some people who can say the stuff they should say, but they're dead boring. And they, they take all the fun out of it. I mean, there goes that wine back into water. And then uh, we got people who ca- are really exciting, but they got nothing to say. And the hard thing for us is to try to find, and this is not an easy thing, especially given this kind of sophisticated demographic, it's very difficult for us to find a person who can say the right thing in a way that excites you, right? But that's what Jesus does every time he speaks. So he sizes this guy up, and then, ah, at once the man was healed, and he took up his pallet and walked. You shouldn't think necessarily hard pallet. You can think kind of mat or, uh, you know, what you take to the beach when you tan in your Speedo, all oiled. Ah, never mind. So... (laughs) Again, a bad image here. So, I know, this is like, well, I got a Pastor Eifert joke here, but I'm going to hold it for later. Now, maybe for Elder, maybe I just shouldn't say it. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's not say that. Okay. Now, of course, that day is the Sabbath, right? Now, when you hear, well, okay, when you walk into a bookstore, do you feel A, really bad because you haven't read all the books? Or do you feel, B, really good because there's so many books to read? Right? Which one are you? What kind of person are you? Yeah, B. Well, yeah, okay. I think some of you are lying because I know there's a lot of A's in this crowd, okay? (laughs) But it's a little like when you say, hey, you should come to church once a week and I'll really love you, right? So, you know, um, do you feel, A, like bad because... uh, you might have to shovel first. Or do you feel be like, hey, let's put that in four-wheel drive and, you know, get going, right? Well, you know, that's how they feel about the Sabbath. So what was the point of the Sabbath? What was the point of the Sabbath? In five words or less, what's the point of the Sabbath? Rest, but uh, yeah, but who, re- who rests? God did rest, but then when he chose people, yeah, who else, who really gets to rest? You do, yeah. So the Lord, I was just thinking this morning, um, 
about the Eucharist and how it comes to you, right? So I was just thinking about, you know, Pastor Bukes bringing the Eucharist to me. Like, I don't, I don't have to do anything. It just, it magically moves from the middle of the altar, right by the crucifix. It magically moves to me, right? And then it's given to me. It's touched to me. And then it's this great gift, right? And then we want to bring the Eucharist to you. We don't want you to have to move much except for that hard left NASCAR circle that you always run. But try to forget about that, okay? You just have to get close. And it just, it's, well, see, this is what happens on the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath is that in the old creation, on the seventh day, God rested. To reestablish creation, hey, would you like to be healthy? To reestablish creation, God's going to have to go to work. And you know what? You, Adam and Eve, had your chance and you kind of muffed it, okay? So God sorted it out and rested and kind of gave you the keys to the car. And yeah, you crashed it into a brick wall before you got to the end of the street. So, like, that was a bad plan. We're going to reevaluate here, and God's going to drive now. And so this is now you're going to rest, and God's going to repair it. And then someday we'll all be back to Eden, and it'll be okay. So in the Sabbath, what you're supposed to see here is that God is back working to fix things. Of course, you're meant to rest on the Sabbath. But healing a man and restoring him, making him healthy, letting him walk again after 38 years, making him strong and full, pointing him back towards the temple, that is not doing damage to the man. That is a restoration of the man. You know, Jesus, was the Sabbath made for a man or was man made for the Sabbath? The Sabbath was made for man. The the Sabbath was meant to heal us back up. You keep screwing this up so you should just relax and let me do everything for you. That's what happens here at church. You should just like, right? So look, this is, the Pharisees will see this as breaking the Sabbath. Jesus will see this as keeping the Sabbath. And this poor man is going to be put in the middle. He'll have to make a choice about whether who wants to side with. But just so there's not this sense that Jesus is this Sabbath breaker or Jesus is this great disruptor and changes everything. No, no. Jesus is the one who keeps it perfectly. So Jesus works hard on the Sabbath so you can rest. You're the guy on the pallet. There isn't any difference here, right? So when they say um, it was the Sabbath, when you read that with a pure heart, everybody should say, if you'd heard it for the first time, you would say, you should say to yourself, hooray, it's the Sabbath. Of course it's the Sabbath, because Jesus does his best work on the Sabbath. All the good things happen on the Sabbath. So God is at work, and this man gets to rest, and what would be better than for this man to go home to his family? Hey, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be down by the right? So the Jews said to the man who was cured, right, healthy, sanus, fully human, back to strength, all good. So it's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to carry your pallet. There were all sorts of rules to protect the Sabbath, and it makes sense in one way because we always find ways to break the rules, 
And, you know, how far can I walk and how much can I carry? One of the major rules was you couldn't go from, interestingly, one domain to another. That was too far to walk. So you couldn't go from one house to another, especially to do any work. Now, what's really interesting is if you read the first margin comment today from, you know, citing Thomas Aquinas about how God is at work in the world, it says something like, I'm working from memory, but it says something like, God's at work in the world all the time. And he's right next to you. He's not sitting up on a throne and occasionally he lobs down a thunderbolt to do what you want. No, no. God is with you here in real life all the time, every day, right beside you, with his angels, pulling everything toward good for you. So if you kind of extend that thought, guess what? The world, this world, is God's house. Jerusalem is his hometown. If you will, it is his domain. So Jesus hasn't broken any rule at all. Jesus is on a walkabout in his house, just like any good Jew could stick, stay home and hang around in their house. They just couldn't go one place to another. Guess what? He doesn't go one place to another. He stays in his house and he does some good on the Sabbath. How could that possibly break the Sabbath? Right? So he says to this guy, um, hey, it's a Sabbath. This isn't lawful for you. And then he answered, hey, the guy who healed me said to me, take up your pallet and walk. So you would think if you meet a guy whose words do what they say, and he says, you're healthy and whole now, and then he gives you a second instruction, you go home now. So first is stand up and walk, and then it's like, go on home. If you have a brain in your head, right, if you're alive in any sense, you probably want to, you know, you know, Take the Patriots and give four and a half because everything seems to be working here, right? Just checking to see if you're, what you're doing with your alms. I'm just checking. Okay, so um, it's, it's, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful. And he says, yeah, but the guy who healed me said I should do this. And they said, well, you know, who said that? What sort of person would break the Sabbath? Now, the man who had been healed, did not know who it was. He didn't know that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't know that, right? even though he's right by the sheep gate. He didn't know that this was the guy who hovered over the waters that were in chaos in Genesis 1 and then brought order, right? Which is another way of talking about how when you're broken in body or mind or spirit, the kind of the classic spiritual way of talking about that. It doesn't matter what it is that you're in chaos. When your bones are fractured so much that, you know, they're popping out of your skin, that's chaotic. Or when people have struggle with mental illness, it's chaos. Or when you're spiritually struggling, you know, in the desert where you're being threatened by all kinds of things and everything hurts, yeah, that's chaotic. And what you're hoping for is the order of the Sabbath. So this guy hasn't quite figured out. He just knows. And see, this is so interesting, right? Because early on we've had this great introduction of, come, tell, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Behold, we found the Messiah. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So first we got the introduction, and then we got the action. Now we have the action, and we get the introduction. It's the way that the Lord swirls around you. I mean, the, behind this message is he would do anything to have people back. I mean, what, what do you want him to do? That's what he'll do. I was driving home last night from a, I don't know, just a thing in the city. But I, um, and then the gospel again this morning. You think um, how, 
you wonder if Jesus would have made it more complicated if we'd pay more attention. But no, just this simple thing where, you know, you put water on that kid and then, you know, Schlossman hands him the candle and assures him they'll go to heaven. I hope he's good for it, you know. And, uh, you know, you kind of go, really? Like, that, that was it? Because, you know, Bukes didn't work at it very long, um, unless he's got the magic touch. I mean, it was a fairly... I mean, there was, of course, the demons were out, right? And then, you know, the family was appreciative. But in that middle part, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And then the first thing we say to him, congratulations, see you in forever. It's crazy talk, right? So that's what's going on here. Um, The man who'd been healed didn't know that it was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't know it was the Word who was the Shalia who created the divine agent of the Father through whom all things were made. He didn't know that this was the new Messiah made flesh. In fact, he'd never talked to any of the Magi, and so he had no idea that um, Jesus even spent time in Egypt. He didn't know any of that. So the man who was healed um, didn't know who it was because Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in that place. Now afterward, the new temple found him in the old temple. Right. Afterward, Jesus came home. I'm doing my father's business. You see, there's a bunch of stories that fit together here. Afterward, the son of God, who's going to be sacrificed on this very spot, like Isaac, the son of Abraham, was sacrificed on this very spot, because you know that this is the same spot, that where they built the altar to sacrifice, Abraham built an altar to sacrifice Isaac, is the same spot where the temple was built, Right? So now you've got sacrificial lamb, sacrificial lamb, son, obedient son, obedient son. So you've got all these things bundled up in Jesus. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, hey, you're, it's just, you're well, like, or you're whole, or uh, you're human. And then this great thing, and again, you know, this is your bookstore question again. When you hear this, do you think, when you hear Jesus say, hey, don't sin anymore, because this is the same thing he's going to say at the end of the story for the woman in John 8. Hey, don't sin anymore. Do you hear, A, so Jesus has ruined all my fun, or B, wow, I'm glad I didn't, um, you know, grab onto that electric fence, right? So how do you hear this when Jesus says, don't sin anymore? Do you think to yourself, I guess I'll have to get new friends then. Or do you think to yourself, this is fabulous because I would never want to go back to being what I used to be? See how this, this, the, every line is pregnant here because of who you know Jesus to be. So you can read the story in this very full way that makes a single point, which is Jesus is here to make wrongs right. Jesus is here to recreate his creation in a way. Jesus is here for you in a way that you can be fully human again. So afterward, Jesus found him in the temple, and he said to him, Hey, this is great. Everything is working for you. Your life is ordered. You're on the way to being fully human, and this is a long walk home. This is the Camino. This is the pilgrimage, right? Sin no more, so don't touch evil things, because that'll only make it worse. 
Sin no more because it'll get worse, right? This is just, this is no different than you tell your kids or maybe you tell yourself. You tell yourself, when I do that, things only get worse. You can all think of an example of something you do where you say, when I do that, things only get worse. Every time I do that, things get worse. This is just the same thing that Jesus is saying. You know, don't do things that every time you do them, things get worse. Do things that every time you do them, things get better. That's what the Sabbath is about. It's about rest. It's not about hurt, right? It's about wholeness. It's not about brokenness. It's about community. It's not about fracture. These are all going on. This is, this is, it's all here in this swirl of the text. John is, you know, there's a reason why John's symbol up on the lectern is the eagle, right? Those, you know, you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you get, you know, things like bravery and brevity and, you know, explanation, you know, the, the lunch bucket, you know, ox who Luke has to explain every detail to you because you're thick, but he knows you probably didn't hear it before and there's a chance for you. Right, And then there's John who is, you know, that's why John is the eagle, because he's above everything, you know, circling, looking down, seeing things close, seeing things far away. The stories start to stack up and they stick to each other and then they break loose and it goes to the next story. That's what's going on here. You can see it in every line, in every word. You can see and you have to, you have to bundle all the stories you've had before, all the things that you know. And then you sort of look for the next story to come. It's, it's startling how much is in here. So, hey, you're well. Um, don't touch evil, touch good. Sin no more, be holy. Um, don't make it worse, make it better. And the man went away and he told the Jews that it was, and called his name Jesus because he'll save you from your sins, the angel to Joseph. When you name him, make sure you call it your name Jesus because you save him from your sins, and of course your sin is your primary break. When you sin, um, I was thinking this, there was something about, um, actually there's so many things floating around in my head. There's something in the bold this morning about, was it the epistle? Vic, is the epistle about original sin? Was there a little crack in there about, um, in any case, there's one of the things, no, it's one of the margin comments about original sin. Well, here's the thing. Original sin, now that is, is, no, is like a genetic defect, Right? And I always think about the interplay of science and theology as opposed to these two things that are... But, you know, if we believe that a genetic trouble can be passed on time after time after time after time, um, I was thinking when Jesus is like CRISPR, right? He gets in there and he fixes it. That's what happens. So Jesus, again and again and again and again, we will accept that biologically, but we won't accept it theologically, that the reason we don't live as long as we used to live is because we're sinful. That the reason we're sicker than we used to be is because we're sinful. The reason that things get worse rather than better is because we're sinful. The reason the church becomes more minority status is because we're sinful. This is the basis of everything. And when Jesus has to sum it all up, when he has to sum it all up, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you can stretch everything else, you can drain everything else out of, out of, that, out of that one line. It's why the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, you know, is the oldest prayer, the shortest prayer, and the best prayer. Because it says everything. It, of course, says the Lord's Prayer as well. So afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. He said to him, hey, this is great. Touch good stuff, don't touch evil stuff. You touch evil stuff, it'll get bad. Touch good stuff, and it'll get better. You're in the temple. This is the right place for you. The man went away, and he told the Jews that it was Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who had healed him. And... This was why they persecuted Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath, because he knew more about the Sabbath than they did. You can read the rest of the story. I'm not necessarily going to read it. It's, it's a whole other story now about Jesus 
engagement with the Pharisees and people who think they're the smartest person in the room in every case. And we've done one of those already, so I didn't necessarily want to do the rest of it. But at least I wanted to give you sort of some consolation. Here's the practical thing. For people in your own life who are broken, for people who are sick, you know, body, soul, mind, spirit, however you want to talk about it, for people that are broken, Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is moving. Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus brings healing. Jesus brings order. Jesus brings recreation. Jesus brings forgiveness. Jesus brings the restoration of relationships. Jesus brings community so that nobody is alone. And Jesus forgives everything so you're always loved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You you know, we go through life and we act like we don't have resources. We have every resource that we need. We have everything that we need. If you can only deliver it in kindness and not like a Pharisee. If you can always keep the Jesus and his healing and the Sabbath and the love that he brings and the suggestion that you should touch good and not evil and the warning that you'll break yourself if you keep doing that, if you can only deliver that, and this is all I've said for about four years now in Bible study, this single thing, if you could please just do that the way that Jesus does it, which is very gently to people who are in need. Yes, of course, to people who buck him. He has a particular word, but that's not most people. And frankly, if you don't make, it's not most people you make either if you just let them be human, right? Because they will, if you love them, they will open to you. And when they open to you, you can start to find the soft spots where you can put in the good stuff. And that is the way that you deliver the Sabbath to other people, right? And when churches aren't like that or when people aren't like that, that's the reason the church goes bad and withers up. Not because of any deficit in Jesus who doesn't apparently know what the Sabbath is about. He knows all about what the Sabbath is about. It's about everybody calming down and being healed up and then going out and saying, that was fabulous, right? Like the bells who have to go rehearse and play now, so we should pray and then we should go to church, all right? So here we go. Um, and next time you can take this home and you know we'll do John 8, which is, I have to just have to tell you, there's no better story in Scripture than John 8. That story is fabulous, Because it's what each one of us needs to know that, right? Jesus loves us, and if we could just agree with him, our lives would be a lot better, and frankly, we'd be a lot easier on each other, right? We could keep that kind of front of mind. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, see you soon. Thanks.